Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent, and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Celia who learned to sing before she learned to talk, or at least that's how her grandmother told the story. Every night after her three siblings and many cousins were tucked into bed, Celia lulled them to sleep with her warm voice. As her song spread through the balmy Cuban night air, her neighbors gathered outside the house, absorbed in her voice. They had to be sneaky about it, though. If Celia saw that they were listening, she became shy and closed the front door. Some nights on her way home, Celia stopped on the curb right outside of one of Havana's nightclubs and pressed her face against the glass windows. Inside, orchestras swayed and dancers twirled. Her future on the other side of the glass seemed just out of reach. While her mother always supported Celia's passion for music, her father was against it, fearing that her career would dishonor the family. He wanted Celia to be a teacher. To satisfy his demands, Celia went to school to get a teaching degree until one day her professor pulled her aside to tell her a secret. You don't have to be a teacher, she said. You are going to sing because you'll earn more money in a day than I will in a month. I'm Justina Machado, and this is Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, a podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. This week, Celia Cruz. As a teenager, Celia sang on the radio whenever she could, singing anything from traditional Cuban songs to silly advertising jingles. One Saturday, a cousin took her to a contest at Radio Garcia Serra. Celia was nervous as she held the microphone. After all, this was only her second competition. But as the music swelled around her, the nerves melted away and she opened her mouth to sing a slow, sad tango. Quiero emborrachar mi corazón para olvidar un loco amor. Her performance was so beautiful that the radio station gave her the first of many honors, a delectable cake. With her warm voice spreading over the Cuban airwaves, it wasn't long before influential people started noticing Celia. Nightclubs in Havana were known for their top-notch musicians and glamorous dancers, but there was one place that was more fabulous than all the rest, El Tropicana. When the doors opened, blinding lights shone on glittery gowns. Men in white suits steered women in feathered headdresses across grass-green floors. Famous actors, writers, gangsters, and politicians talked, laughed, and danced, enthralled by cabaret performers in ruffled skirts. In 1950, Rogelio Martinez, the director of the most famous orchestra in Cuba, La Sonora Matancera, 
spotted Celia under the dazzling spotlight at the Tropicana. When he asked her to be their lead singer, Celia knew that this was a chance of a lifetime. Claro que sí, she told Rogelio. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. And with that, she made history as the orchestra's first black female lead singer. But beyond the club and the swaying palm trees, leaving the sequins and the feathers behind, revolution was brewing in Cuba. By 1953, a man named Fidel Castro began trying to overthrow the country's president, who was more like a dictator. As Castro and his revolutionaries started fighting, chaos spread across the country, and Celia started getting nervous. Fidel Castro said he was a man of the people, But after gaining more and more power, he began to seem like a dictator himself. He created a government that spied on its own citizens, took control of the radio stations, and threw people in jail for disagreeing with the new regime. Celia worried that Castro would try to control her career by revoking her passport or by telling her which songs she could and could not sing. Everything Celia knew and loved was in Cuba, but she started to think that maybe she should get out of the country just for a little while until everything was a bit more stable at home. So when Celia had the chance to perform in Mexico for a year, she took it. She and the rest of La Sonora Matancera packed their bags and hopped on a plane headed west. Celia felt a shiver of worry as she climbed the stairs to the plane, but she told herself that she'd be back after one short year singing at her favorite Cuban clubs again. As she sat quietly on the flight, Watching the clouds drift far beneath the plane's wings, the orchestra leader called a serious meeting. This is a one-way flight, he told them. He had decided that it was just too dangerous for the band to return to Cuba, even after the year was over. They were defecting, abandoning their country for a new home. Celia had packed her suitcase thinking that she'd be back in a year to kiss her mother and laugh with her father again. But as she sped through the air, miles above the Gulf of Mexico, she realized that she might be separated from her homeland for even longer than she had imagined. In fact, Celia would never step foot on Cuban soil again. Back in Cuba, Fidel Castro heard the news that Cuba's best singer had defected and exploded with rage. As the country's new dictator, he wanted to control Cuba's talent. He determined who could come and who could go. Castro had approved of Celia's plan to tour Mexico, but he hadn't seen her betrayal coming, and he felt like he'd been tricked. He was so furious that he banned Celia's music, and then he banned the entire orchestra from ever returning to Cuba. After her year in Mexico, Celia moved to New York City, and it welcomed her with open arms. Still, even though she was on stage in colorful dresses, singing joyful songs, the loss of her homeland was sometimes too much to bear. As the years passed, Castro kept his word. When Celia's mother fell sick and passed away, he prevented her visit. When her father died, he wouldn't let her say goodbye. When Celia was sad, there was only one person she could turn to, 
His name was Pedro Knight. Pedro was a trumpet player in La Sonora Matancera, and he'd been trying to convince Celia to date him for six years before she finally agreed to give him a chance. It wasn't love at first sight, he said, describing their lengthy courtship. We gradually became good friends, and over time, our friendship grew into love. Now that they were both exiled in New York, they decided to get married. Having Pedro by her side was extremely important for Celia. He wasn't just her husband. He was a reminder of home. Everybody looks at me and thinks I'm very happy, said Celia once. But I don't have a mother, a father. I don't have a country. I only have Pedro. Hey, grown-ups. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Listen, I used to be miserable with allergies from about the beginning of April till the end of August. Sometimes my best friend was a cold washcloth over my face. I couldn't taste my food because my nose was so stuffed up. I couldn't go for a run because my eyes were so itchy. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for hikes, cut the grass, and most importantly, stop and smell the flowers. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans, and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF, which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's IFs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. If is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. IF comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? 
Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17. Bring your imaginary friends too. In the streets of New York City, Dominicans dance the merengue, Puerto Ricans party to the sound of bomba, Colombians hummed along to the melody of cumbia flutes, and Americans play jazz, blues, and rock and roll. Celia's new hometown had grown into the epicenter of a new sound, and people were calling it salsa. Salsa was only made possible by the city's vibrant melting pot of cultures, and during the golden era of salsa, Celia was one of the only women on the scene. And when the craze spread around the world, so did Celia's mighty voice. One of the key components of salsa was sabor, which means flavor. Sabor meant not just having a beautiful voice, but performing with flair, passion, and energy. Celia Cruz was the queen of sabor, and you could feel it down to your toes. Sure, it was fun to listen to Celia sing on the radio, but it was even more exciting to see her live. She wore extravagant costumes, cracked jokes from the stage, and danced about on high-heeled shoes designed to make it look like she was flying. Her favorite type of dress was the bata cubana, covered in ruffles with a long train, so that when Celia spun and swayed to the music, the dress spun and swayed with her. She wore silver shoes with swan-shaped heels, a dress covered in sparkly palm trees, and a blue cape embroidered with peacock feathers. Fur coats? Yes, please. Diamond necklaces with matching headdresses? Definitely. Sky-high blue wigs? <laughs> but of course. If it was bright and glitzy and eye-catching, Celia loved it. One evening, Celia was having dinner with friends at a Miami restaurant. After the meal, the waiter offered to bring her café con leche, a classic Cuban treat, and asked her if she took it with or without sugar. Chico, you're Cuban. How can you even ask that? She exclaimed. Cubans always took their strong coffee with lots and lots of sugar. Azúcar! Azúcar! Dame mucho azúcar! Other patrons in the cafe recognized her and started imitating the way she said the word. That evening during her show, while the horn players rested their lips, she told the audience the story and everyone laughed. Eventually, she told the story at enough venues that all she had to do was simply walk on stage and shout, Azúcar! Her fans immediately knew they were in for one incredible show. Celia only ever came close to her homeland once. In 1990, she was invited to perform at the U.S. Naval Base in Guantanamo Bay, which was on the island of Cuba, but technically this stretch of land was loaned to the United States. The thought of being so close to her country filled Celia with a tangle of emotions, some happy, some heartbreaking. When she got off the plane and saw the mountains of Cuba in the distance, she was so overwhelmed that she fell to her knees and kissed the ground of her beloved island. 
A few government officials took her on a stroll around the naval base. They passed a metal fence that separated Guantanamo Bay from the rest of the island. Basta ya, cried Celia, stop. Celia reached her hand under the fence and dug up enough Cuban soil to fill a styrofoam cup. I finally feel at peace holding this soil, she told the people around her, clutching the earth to her chest. That evening, for the first time, Celia walked on stage and didn't have to tuck her sadness away. People all around the world felt inspired by Celia's music, and her fans loved her so much that they weren't afraid to be loud about it. Once, when she was playing with her friend Tito Puente, a fellow Cuban in the audience yelled, Celia de Cuba! But then someone else cried out, Celia de Puerto Rico! And another person yelled, Celia de Mexico! Celia appeared a bit shocked by all this attention. Was she Celia of Mexico? Was she Celia of Puerto Rico? The spotlight burned down on her until finally Tito Puente roared, Celia del Mundo! Celia of the world! At that, the entire auditorium went wild. Celia's music represented so much more than just a single country. By now, her voice and her legacy belonged to the entire globe, to people everywhere who were drawn together by her powerful music. Celia Cruz kept performing up until the year she died. Celia requested two funerals, one in Miami and one in New York City. Both funerals were huge. Many famous people came to mourn her. But there were also thousands and thousands of fans whose lives had been touched and whose hearts had been lifted by Celia Sabor. When she was brought to her final resting place, a beautiful mausoleum in the Bronx, she was buried with the cup of Cuban soil that she filled so many years ago. Today, Celia's loud, colorful fashion continues to inspire musicians like Cardi B, Lady Gaga, and Rihanna. Every time someone like the Cuban singer Albita or the Colombian singer Carolina Lao take the stage, their clicking heels and swirling dance moves can't help but remind the world of Celia. And every time a girl sings soft salsa songs to her siblings at night, Celia's sabor lives on. I want more women in salsa, she said once. Someday I have to die. And I want people to say, Celia Cruz has died. But here is someone who can take over. Hello, I'm Indy from Melbourne, Australia. Today's episode was hosted by Justina Machado, an actress starring in Netflix's One Day at a Time. The series follows three generations of a Cuban-American family living under one roof. The podcast is a production of Tim McTree Labs and based on the book series Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Check them out at www.rebelgirls.co and use the promo code REBELPODCAST to get 15% off. They're awesome! If you are enjoying the show, please share on Facebook, on Twitter, share it everywhere. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It's a great way for other people to discover the show. Our executive producer is Eleanor Favilli. This season was produced by Meg Manane. This episode was written by Tori Telfer. Scripts are edited by Justine Ware and fact-checked by Janice Weaver. Original theme music was composed and performed by Electra Bar Jockey, who has also sound-designed this episode. Matia Michelle is the sound mixer. 
Today's host, Justina Machado, lent her voice to benefit Padres Contra El Cancer. As Goodnight Stories for Ripple Girls has made a donation in her name. Until next time, stay tuned and stay rebel. Thanks for listening to this episode, Rebels. Did you know there's a whole world of Rebel Girls to explore? Go to rebelgirls.com slash more to check out our latest books, t-shirts, crafting kits, and, well, more. Visit rebelgirls.com slash more. Until next time, stay Rebel.